great truth that has been given to us through the apostles' doctrine and, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because I, I go, because you have to remember, we're lucky. About ninety percent, ninety-five percent of the world does not believe what we believe in, and if we believe what we teach, then they are inherently lost um, within the Word. Even though the Bible is right in front of them, even though they may they may be genuinely in love with God, um, and the the truth in Jesus' name, the most powerful revelation that that we have, um, is something that they don't have, and yet it's so simple to understand. If we could go to Isaiah 12, Isaiah 12 and 1. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, if you'd like to stand. <laughs> and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, thou shalt, or through thou hast angered with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doing among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. It's hard for me to, to just teach this. I would love to preach this. I would love to preach this. <laughs> you see, you may be seated. Today in modern American culture, the name no longer means anything. The selection of a name is now kind of done to its uniqueness, which we have many unique names in this church. I don't know if you've noticed that when Pastor Kyle reads names off, uh, guest names, that we have many unique names. And, uh, and it's all about the sound, it's all about the uniqueness, and it's, uh, you know, maybe it's somebody in the family, but it's no longer about the meaning of the name. This is not historically how names were chosen, especially within Hebrew culture. In early Hebrew culture, your name was carefully selected at birth, and your name had spiritual significance. Your name not only labeled you as a person, but it put meaning to your life in reference to the Creator. The name they chose often declared the, the circumstances surrounding your birth. Not only that, but your name also kind of referenced the character, the type of person you would be. As we can recall, Jacob's name meaning supplanter, liar. And we, we see that, that illustration within his story. But then God changes it to, to Israel, which means prince with God. So too was God's name indicative of his nature and his character. Your name was, your name was bought by his blood. Your, or in, in his name, when it was, um, in his name, when it was revealed to the people in the New Testament, it was the first time that we had ever seen the name. You have to understand when his name was brought up in reference to God, it shook the entire Hebrew world. When the apostolic people started to preach the name of Jesus Christ, and you were a, let's say you were a Jewish people, you were, you were Hebrew people, and they were saying, yes, Jesus' name needs to be exalted. Whoa. You have no idea the repercussions that that would give. The Hebrew people would stone you to death. We see this over and over again. They would stone you. They would shun you. The only thing that saved 
the apostolic people or the, the disciples of that time was the fact that there were miracles going on in the name of Jesus Christ. So the people protected the apostles. The people protected the disciples. Why? Because they couldn't deny the miracles that happened. The Pharisees and the Sadducees said it over and over again. They're like, they're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. People are being healed. Blind eyes are being opened. What are we supposed to do? And they're like, well, we just need to threaten them. And if we threaten them, maybe they'll, they'll stop doing it. And I'll get to that a little bit later. So we see names being changed, and it was significant uh, into your life. That they're, I mean, if you look in the Old Testament, some of these people's names, I had no idea what they meant. But they are some powerful names uh, within their meaning. And they all were into relation to their creator, to their God. You see, the name, uh, the name of God, which is also, uh, here's kind of a weird word, the Tetragrammaton, uh, which is Yahweh, which is Y-H-W-H. It's a verb delivered in the biblical Hebrew uh, triconsonantal root, uh, which means to be, become, come to pass. It is connected with the passage of Exodus uh, 3 and 14 in which God uh, gives his name, um, uh, you know, Yahweh as I am that I am. I shall be that I shall be. I shall be what I am. So he's trying to cover all of his bases here. There's no way around it. He is who he says he's going to be. Not only is he, not only is he talking about today, but he's also talking about tomorrow because it also references, I will be what I will become. He's talking about, obviously, the, the present within our present of Jesus Christ. Uh, he who causes to exist, who gives life, to give you the breath of life, to live. He causes to become he who is who exists. That is everything that is in the tetragrammaton of Yahweh. He covers all of his basis about creation. Without me, there is no creation. Without me, there is no you. I am what I am, and you are what you are because of me. And I will become, or you will become what you're going to become because of me. There is a, he's covering all of his bases, past, present, and future. He is who he is, and you are who you are because of him. God informed Israel that throughout the world that they should be called by his name. The funny thing is, is that his name was so important. It was so powerful, but the Hebrew people never got it in the Old Testament. They never got it. They asked about it in Deuteronomy uh, that his name in Deuteronomy 28, um, 8 and 10, the Lord shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storeholds and in all thou uh, settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee, the holy people, unto himself, and he shall sworn unto thee, uh, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his way, and all the people of the earth shall uh, shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. The, the ironic thing is, is that they don't actually have the name of the Lord, but they shall be called by the name of the Lord, and, and they shall be afraid of thee. The name of God was to be praised and exalted about. Look at Psalms uh, 34 and 3. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalms 113, 1 through 3, praise ye the Lord, praise, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, 
from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun unto going down in the same, the, the Lord's name to be praised. His name is to be praised. He should be at the forefront of our thoughts. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, all of your strength. You should love him. But the problem is, is I haven't given you the fullness of his name. I haven't given you the fullness of his character. Because the thing about his name is that it was a progressive revelation in the Old Testament. It was progressive. We knew him by his name and his definitions, but it was progressive through each story. Abraham used the name Jehovah, but he did not know the full significance in that name. He did not know that God would be the deliverance. When God delivered Israel, they knew him in a new way, a new understanding. And in essence, they had a greater understanding of who God was than Abraham did. Progressively, more and more, God revealed his character to mankind, and it was often expressed by a new name, right? Adonai, Lord, Master, Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, my banner of victory, Jehovah Ra, he is my shepherd, Jehovah uh, Rapha, he heals me, uh, Jehovah Tiskanu, he is righteousness, uh, Elohim, he is God, um, uh, Jehovah Jireh, he will provide, Jehovah Shalom, he is peace. Uh, he, he kept revealing himself through different names, but this was not the fullness of his name. This was not the greatest of his work. Jehovah Sabbath, he, the Lord of hosts. So when people wanted to know more about God himself, they had, to, they had to seek his name almost the same way that we'd say, seek his face. In the, in, the, in the Old Testament, it was like, seek his name. It was almost the same thing in the same essence as, as seeking his face. Seek who he is. Seek his character. Seek his nature. That's one thing about putting on Jesus Christ. It's one thing about putting on the blood of Jesus. It's not just about going into the water. It's not just about coming up and uh, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you receive Jesus Christ, you received his character. You receive his attributes. You receive the gift of the Spirit. You live in peace. You live in joy. You have destiny in front of you. You have purpose in life. The way you treat one another should be Christ-like. And if it's not, then you need to remove yourself from the equation, and then you might start teaching or start treating people Christ-like. You put on Jesus, you take on Jesus, you take on the essence of Jesus. You have to die to yourself. So when people wanted to know, they would seek after his name, Genesis 32 and 29. And Jacob asked and said, and said tell me, I pray thee my name. And, and he said, uh, wherefore is it that thou shalt doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Um, Judges uh, 13 and 17 and, uh, and Manoth said unto the angel of the Lord, and uh, what is my name? That when thy savings come to pass, we may do thee honor. What is your name? I need to know your name because when I know your name, I know who you are. I, I, know, I know your nature. I know your character. I know your essence. I know what you're all about. And, and everything that I hear about the, the name of the Lord God is everything that I want to be. That is why I am seeking after the name of God because me by myself I am nothing. I, I, am, I am a fool. I am carnal. I, I am about myself. I am selfish. But when I seek after your name, I know that I'm part of something bigger. I, I know that it's not just about me. I, I know that God can change me. I know that I can be more like him through his name. 
The amount of stress that is put on the name of God in the Old Testament is also put on the name of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. This fact alone would show that Jesus not only would be the name of God, or at least be the name of God, but that, that it is the only name that we need that has been given. Meaning that we don't need to use the Old Testament names because we have the fullness of what all of those names mean. If you, if you think about it, what does Jesus mean? Well, he is, he is my banner of victory. I don't, I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need the older names anymore. He is my healer. He is my provider. He is righteousness. He is all of these things. So within Jesus is all the names encompassed from the Old Testament. You see, in the New Testament, they speak of Jesus in the same way they spoke of the names in the Old Testament. It says, what names should be praised? Well, in Acts uh, 8 and 12, it says, but when they believed uh, Philip preaching and all the things concerning the kingdom of God and all of the things concerning the kingdom of God. You have to remember, the New Testament is not written. They're writing it with their actions right now. He doesn't have some book he's going by. He is filled with the Holy Ghost, writing the New Testament. People and scribes are writing this down. All they have to go by is the Old Testament. That's it. These are, these are down to the core Orthodox Hasidic Jews. That's who he's talking to right now. And he says, concerning all things of the kingdom of God, and in the name of Jesus Christ they were baptized, both men and women. That they preached the name of Jesus Christ in the midst of Orthodox Judaism. The early church preached such in a manner they incite onlookers, including critics, and to, because of the common preaching of Jesus Christ. What could they have possibly been saying to incite such descriptions on themselves or, or to incite such attention on themselves? The following passage relates to the answer. Um, Acts 4.10. They, they were being questioned by the Sadducees. They're, they're, because you have to understand, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were jealous of what these guys were doing. I mean, it would be... It, they're the ones that hold the kingdom of God in their hands. They're, they're the ones that have revelation. They're the ones living by the law, being a slave to the law, living under legalism. It's them that are, that are sacrificing, and it's them that think that they have the, all the keys to heaven. So when they see people preaching a different doctrine, and they see a, people, a, a group of people performing miracles in a different name that they don't have revelation of, instantly they're, what is going on here? They're jealous. They're, they don't understand. They, they can't have this begin to grow. And they look at it as a threat when really they should have looked at it as liberty. So in Acts 10, they're questioning. They're saying, be it known to all of you and to all of Israel. He's talking to everybody. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, talk about boldness. Whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him doth this man, I right here, stand before you whole because of Jesus Christ. Not because of your Old Testament law. Not because of, not because of that all that stuff's important, but not because of what you have done. Not because of any of that, but because of what Jesus has done in my life. But nothing else. In Acts 4 and 15 through 18, but, but when they had commanded them to go aside and outside the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what? Shall we do with these men? 
for that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. Not even they could deny the power that was within the apostles through Jesus Christ. Look at that. It had been done by them. is manifested to all of them that dwell in Jerusalem. Everyone knew about it. Because that's where the power came. Everyone knew about it. The poor knew about it. The rich knew about it. The middle class knew about it. The Sadducees and the Pharisees knew about it. Everyone knew what the apostles were doing in their city. So how could we, so, so what are we supposed to do? Well, we can't deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Well, it's going to spread. Let us straightly threaten them. That they, that they speak henceforward to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 and 17. And whatsoever ye do in the word or deed, do all in the name of God, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. So this is what started to happen, because this is what started giving the church the reputation now you have a power struggle within Jerusalem. And you have commoner, common folk, uh, common, uh, they're not Sadducees, they're not Pharisees. Um, they, these are just fishermen. These are, these are the disciples, right? Um, and they're, uh, they're turning the city upside down. They're spreading this gospel. And they are being threatened by people they probably looked up to when they were, when they were Jewish, when, when they were Orthodox Jews, when they went to the temples, these are the same people, their teachers, their rabbis, that they probably were having to stand up to in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't imagine how, how that would be. It would be, it would be kind of, I mean, because you probably love some of these people, but you love them enough to preach truth to them. So notice the reputation that the early church had in Acts uh, 540. And to him they agreed. And when they called the apostles and beaten them, of course, you have to beat them to let them know that you're serious. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Oh, boy. Acts 9 and 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he, should, uh, how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to them and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You're not stopping anybody, people. Matter of fact, the greatest revivals come through persecution. The greatest revivals come through the threat of, of being killed or being destroyed. It's, number one, people look at it uh, sympathetically. Think of all the genocide that goes on in the world, how much people give and, and how, how bad. I mean, these people are willing to die for what they believe in. And on top of that, miracles are following them. God is protecting them. Angels are coming down. People are seeing things they had never seen before with the old regime. And I use regime loosely. In Acts 15, 25 through 26, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew exactly what they were getting into. They knew exactly the world that they lived in. A world that was hostile to the name of Jesus Christ. A world that was hostile to what they were doing. They knew it, they just didn't care because Paul explains to us that in death is only gain. 
that my life is not my own. If God takes it away from me now, then okay, that's his plan. Somebody else will rise up and do my job or do what I was doing. Or I, I was training someone or I was raising up a different crop of people. And for every head they cut off, three more sprout up. Because that's how Christianity works. It's the best market networking in the world. This in itself proves that the name of Jesus is indeed the name of God of the Old Testament. People dying for the name, praising the name of Jesus Christ. You can even get into the Greek and the same words that, that were used for God were aligned with Jesus Christ in the Greek. That's where a lot of scholars, that most, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but most scholars believe that the name of God, even though they're Trinitarians, is Jesus Christ. A lot of them do because you can't deny it. Um, it's, it's these new popcorn doctrines that say, oh, the name of God is just God. And, and then they, and like, you're like, what, what? That's not a name. It's a title, but okay. Um, and, and even their own scholars that they look up to are like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like you don't have proper doctrine. But doctrine doesn't matter anymore. It's about feeling good. It's about tickling your ears. It's not, a, it's not about preaching strict things. It's not about preaching the word of God. It's not about preaching orthodoxy anymore. It, it, it's about preaching, hey, how do I get them in the seat and how do I get ties? How do I get money? And, th and that's not what it should be. The, the, it shouldn't be about that. You shouldn't give money to a church that is a liar. I'm sorry, that's just how I feel. Um, I mean, I might be kind of bold about that, but I mean, I, I just wouldn't. I'd rather... I'd rather be part of something that is true. And even in my seek, even when I seek truth, because you have to understand something. I, I, I question this stuff all the time, not out of doubt, but out of curiosity. I want to make sure what I believe in is true. I want to make sure what I have is right. And if it's not right, then I want to go find what is right. Like, I don't do this because Pastor Kyle preaches. I, I listen to Pastor Kyle preach. He's one of the best preachers I've ever heard. Matter of fact, in this organization, we are so lucky because he literally is one of the best preachers I've heard. And I've listened to just about every single one of them. And, um, but I tear apart every single one of his messages. <laughs> I do. I listen to it, and, and I go through it. And, um, you know, and, and he, does, he does an incredible job. There's not much I can say. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying, like, I, I question it. I have to question it. This stuff was written 2,000 years ago. I have to understand context. I have to understand what I believe in is it because I don't want to be somebody on the outside missing something that doesn't bring me to where I need to go. You have to question it. Don't, because if we don't question it, then we're just as blind as, as any other religion. You're just as blind as the Hebrew people in the Old Testament who weren't willing to change and convert to, to what Christianity is today. You're just as blind. You can't just sit here and take Acts 2.38. Yeah, whoo, Acts 2.38. One, one of my problems, and, and I don't want to go off too far off the tangents, but I'll just go real quick with Acts 2.38. One of my problems with Acts 2.38 in the modern apostolic movement is, is this. We treat it the same way sometimes as baptistry, once saved, always saved. And it, that hurts, okay? Because... Do you know what? When we come, do you know what? I, I receive God, I'm saved. Yay, I'm, in a, I'm at a Baptist church, a non-denominational church. I receive God, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything else. Well, great. Okay. That, that's, your, that's your prerogative. That's what your revelation is at the time. Nothing against that. That's one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life is accepting Jesus Christ, um, believing him, choosing that he is your Lord and Savior. That's part of salvation. Um, 
But we can do the same exact thing with Acts 2.38. I believe. I'm baptized. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't live for God anymore. There's nothing I can do to be out of the bonds of God. You can do the same exact thing with Acts 2.38. You have to be careful with that. That's false religion. That's false doctrine completely. When, doctrine, when real doctrine gets down in your heart, these things should be following you. What these apostles should be doing uh, um, or what's happening to these apostles. People questioning you and you having to know doctrine. You having to know orthodoxy. You having to know your stuff and understanding what their arguments are. Because if you don't understand their argument, then there's no argument. It's just, it's just a biased opinion because this is how I was raised my entire life. So this is how I regurgitate these answers. So we, you, understanding the conflicts within people will get you so much further than just knowing one side of the story. Anyways, okay, so the name of God, that Jesus Christ, if the, if the name is intended to be understood by the early church and the emphasis of other than, than Jesus, then we, we pray and we, and we mention that, that Jesus is the great salvation. Jesus' name literally means Jehovah salvation. And everyone agrees that salvation is the greatest work. We talked about it earlier where Jesus encompasses all of the names of the Old Testament when he was here on earth. If you look at what he did, he was righteousness. He was victory. He was sacrifice. He was, he was all of those names. And it was all wrapped up in Jesus, not just through a name, but through his actions, through who he was. People knew it. Like, wow, look at the victory we have in him. Look what's going on in his life. Look what he's, I want to be around that. That, that right there, I mean, I don't want to say is intoxicating, but that, that's intoxicating in a good way. I want to be around that. I want to be like that. He has no worries. He has no struggles. He knows exactly who he is and where he's supposed to be and, and who he is. I want to have that. One of the number one struggles uh, within this world today is identity, finding your identity and who you are. And the reason why it's the number one struggle is because people don't have Jesus. If you, if you just find Jesus, your identity is real simple. It gets easy real quick. Your purpose becomes, becomes real easy. You see, people struggle with depression and suicide and, and, and certain things because they don't have Jesus in their life. They don't want Jesus in their life in some cases. But they don't have Jesus in their life. If they would just find Jesus, guess what? You would find hope. The reason why you're depressed and you're in despair is because you have no hope in what you're doing. The reason why you're stuck in the rut that you're stuck in is because you're not living for God. And the thing is, is that people know that their purpose is more and that there's more in life than what they're doing. But they themselves can't come to submit themselves to God. Why? Well, pride. The number one sin of them all. We all have it. God's still working with me on it. But, I mean, every single day I have to get down. I have to submit myself. I have to crucify myself in the name of Jesus Christ. I have, to, I have to do these things. Because if I don't, then the name of God isn't applied to my life. Jesus is not applied to my life. I have to live like Christ. I have to live like his name is applied on my life. Because to be, you know, to, to be completely honest, your reputation means a lot. It really does. Now, it's okay. It's okay if you're doing the right thing and people try to crucify you. That's fine. So what, why, why are they trying to crucify? You know, why, what's so bad about him? Well, he, 
he's saying that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that he's a Jesus-only guy. You know, it's, it's only Jesus. It's, like, I'm, it's a great reputation to have, but people will spin it, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's false doctrine. That's heresy, and it's not true, but that's fine because I'm preaching truth. As long as they're spreading that, that around, guess what? They're promoting your agenda for you. And now people who are curious, they'll start looking into things. They'll start being like, oh, these guys, you can't really deny their argument. You can't, you can't really, one of the, one of the, a great book that has just come out, um, Pastor Bernard, or uh, Superintendent Pastor Bernard, however, Bishop, Superman, superhero, that, that he, he's a brilliant guy, read a lot of his books. <laughs> um, I believe it's called in the God in the Face of Jesus. And something along those lines. It's the first scholarship style book that has been written by the United Pentecostal Church where scholars have to look at it and they, they say, this really, we have to rebuttal this. We have to, re, you know, try to figure out how to get around this. And it's the first one where we haven't seen a rebuttal book uh, within the first month, to be completely honest. Most UPCI stuff that gets thrown out, scholars tear it apart in a heartbeat and they they say why it's not, why it isn't, and in the name of Jesus Christ, this book is so, when I read it, I was like, this is incredible. Um, I submitted it to some of my professors because I go to a, a, a reformed school of theology and scholarship. So they, they've been reading it, and they've been saying, hey, this is really good content, and it's now one of the books that we can select to read for the course. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So um, you don't have to read it, but it's one that you can read. So that, that, I mean, that's powerful all in itself. So, I mean, the name of Jesus is a powerful thing, especially if it's well-documented. And you can prove it without a shadow of a doubt. It is incredible. So anyways, let, let's just go through the New Testament, and then I'll close because I only have a little bit of time left. Um, so the name of Jesus, when do we really start seeing it? Obviously, Matthew 1, 21, uh, and he sh shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Jehovah shall save his people from their sins. Um, that's where we see it in Jesus. It's a combined word. What it is, it is Jehovah has become my salvation. It literally means savior, Jehovah savior. Um, Emmanuel is the other word that we see when in associated with Jehovah Savior. Emmanuel says God with us. There's two parts with it, means God with us. If we break down the names, what you will see that God with us is Jesus Savior. It's just something that people use as a um as a as an algorithm that these are talking about the two identical things, that they are the same thing, uh, even though God with us uh, or God with us means Jehovah Savior. We can put Matt, Matthew 20 or 121 and say that Jesus here is talking about the Emmanuel there. It, it, this is Jesus. God with us. Jesus is salvation. He is our Savior. The name of Jesus incorporates all the characteristics and identities of God since, since the name of Jehovah includes the name of Jesus. It is simply another manner of extending the revelation of himself to his people. Moses did not know this revelation. Abraham did not know this revelation. Even though these were fathers of the faith, they were, they were incredible men. But we here today, we have this revelation. Jesus Christ is one of the most incredible revelations that you can ever have today. Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. 
every name, every single name. Same thing in, in Acts 4.12, that it is, it is the highest name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the highest one. It is the only one. This name encompasses everything that we are supposed to be, everything that we are, and how we become Christians and part of the kingdom of God. If we don't understand this name, if we are not calling out this name, if we are not exalting this name in every single church service, in every single day or part of our life, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 becomes null in your life because it's the same name that we are falling in love with every single day. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Who is that one Lord? Who is that one God? It is Jesus Christ, that there is only one who sits on the throne in Revelations. And who is that one who sits on the throne? It is Jesus Christ. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. We have to understand that, that Philippians 2 and 10, at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of things in the heaven and the things in the earth and under the earth, every knee shall bow. That prophecy was about six to eight hundred years before in Isaiah 45 and 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth and into righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. The prophecy with the name in Philippians at the name of Jesus Christ. If we go back to Isaiah 12, and I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 12. I don't actually have it up there, so I need you to stop. <laughs> yes, Isaiah 12, 1, 1 through 4. Same thing we started off with. Jesus' name means salvation. So we read it the normal way, and I'm going to read it a different way um, this time. And, and in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I praise thee. Thou, th through thou hast angered with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my Jesus. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my Jesus. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of Jesus. And in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, which is Jesus. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. That Jesus' name should be exalted. Isaiah was trying to tell us something, but he didn't have the name. He didn't understand what the name was. But he knew it would be salvation. If we could all stand in this place. Thank you for this great revelation, God. This revelation that we need to hold dear to every single day. That your name should be exalted and praised every single day, every single moment. When I'm in my car, when I'm in my bedroom, wherever I am, God, that your name should be at the forefront of my mind. 
Oh, Lord, that your name brings forth freedom. Your name breaks the chains and the bonds of this world. Your name delivers me from depression and despair. It's your name, God, that covers me with your blood. It's your name, God, that gives me power to overcome this world. It's your name that is victory. Oh, Lord. Oh, we love you. We praise you. We exalt you. We magnify you. You are mighty, God. You are mighty to be praised. Revelation. I want us to worship the Lord here just a moment. Let's give some praise. I know we, we take a break between Sunday school and main service, but what a word we've heard here today. God, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for this wonderful, incredible, powerful teaching. Help us, God, to receive this revelation of your name, of who you are, its power, its glory, its majesty. We love and praise you and adore you. My, 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 everything is through the name, isn't it? Everything is through the name. What a powerful, powerful teaching. And uh, Jehovah has become my Jesus. Uh, That wonderful name. God bless you. Uh, Greet one another. Our main service will start here in just a few minutes. And uh, take a little break between Sunday school and uh, our main service. Lord bless you.